This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. I think the D zone and the neutral zone got to be huge tonight. I think uh, being tight on the guy that you're supposed to be tight on, covering, uh, making sure they don't have any uh, time and space. Uh, as D-man, nobody gets behind you, that kind of stuff. I think your offense will really come from playing good defense tonight against this team, and uh, you know I think that's probably the main thing. So this is a part in the schedule that... You know, we were hoping that it was a situation that we were going to be in the playoffs and then we could take advantage of this. What we can't do is sit here and say, okay, we've got a couple weeks here at home and hang our hat on that and say we're going to win games. Our road trip went fairly well. A little disappointed in our third period in Philadelphia, but the part we have to not forget is what happened our last three home games here. And we got zero points out of that. This is a place we're used to picking up points. So if that isn't an alarm ringing for us, I will shame on us. Shame on us. Shame on them. Oh, trades are happening, aren't they? The <laughs> well, NHL. that was a weird segue, my friend. I know. I know. I, know. I want to get right into are it. Are you saying uh, that teams should feel shame if they don't make a trade? I'm just talking. Okay. <laughs> no rhyme or reason. Chris Tanov is, is dealt. That is true. We'll get, in, we'll get into that as some teams are, are starting yeah. to make a wheel and deal. I have to say... That didn't take as much as I thought it would. Was it a prospect and a draft pick? Is that what went back? It was a three-team deal. New Jersey was involved. I think New Jersey somehow ended up getting a draft pick out of it. That is correct. They retained salary. Okay, thank you, Steve. In other words, we're not talking like a first-round pick going back to Calgary or even a second-round pick. I don't know about the prospect, but... Look, if that's the market for a guy like Chris Tanev, yeah. that means the market is not, shall I say, raging hot. I mean, it might take a little bit less to acquire a solid player. Tanev is a good, good defenseman. He's a good defenseman. That's exactly how he you will help the Dallas it. Stars. Yep. They got better, you would think. So he's a pending UFA. Yeah. So, I so, mean, right now, this is a rental unless they can find a way to extend yeah. him. So, you know, we're going to get into that. The Lightning do have a game tonight, the Sabres. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Eric Erlinson at 12.15. Hit us up on X at Bolts Radio. You've got a special guest with you, correct? Yeah. My leap year birthday friend. (laughs) (laughs) Kerry Herrera, retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel. Is that right? He gave me a thumbs up. Retired at 15. Retired at 15 (laughs) times four. And we were talking to Darren Radish this morning because Darren yeah. Radish was a February 28th birthday, but his birth year was a leap year. So had he been one day later, he would have been a leap year baby. He was laughing. He said, my mother was trying to extend it for another 10 hours, but That's it was funny. not meant to be. No, and those things you don't play around with. <laughs> no. <laughs> when, it's, when it's time, it's time. Yeah. And, uh, See, you're, you're get that. bundling soon-to-be bundle yeah. of joy. Could have been a leap year baby, but it's not been, right. meant to Close. be. Didn't even think about it, but you're right. Yeah. Could have been. Could have been. My son is a March 1st birthday, but he Ooh. was born in 06, so that was... Gotcha. He would have been a leap year baby had it not been 06, but as... I gotcha. As they say, that was not in the cards. See, look so. at these are things. These are things that our audience. This is hard hitting knowledge that our fans need, right? A little bit more. So yeah. we appreciate that. We're still getting questions and comments from yesterday, and I think people still on. You know, it's it's like a bipolar relationship a little bit, partner. <laughs> just you know, a couple of games of the Lightning are looking really good, then you have maybe their most recent performance, and it's man, Vassy's just not where he needs to be, and. This is it. This is the end of the Lightning's run. Well, I will tell you about a goaltender who's playing very well right now, and that is Ukapeka Lukanen. It's a great name. Yes. UPL. <laughs> that's how. <laughs> he needs a nickname desperately. Right? He, now, is, sure that's he is. He is on some kind of run. So the Sabres, check this out, Greg. Last year, they were all offense and no defense. They were third in the league in offense last year, and they allowed more goals than they scored. Missed the playoffs. This year, the scoring has dried up a bit. Some of that has been related to some injuries. Tage Thompson missed five, six weeks, and I'm not sure he's quite 
gotten back to where he needed to be last year. He had 47 goals. He's got 17 this year. So they're missing a lot of that production. They have been Ding up, though, since we turned the calendar. So Lukanen has a .934 save percentage in his last 15 starts. And since we turned the calendar, the Sabres allowed, have allowed a total of 46 goals in 21 games. They're Ding That's like top of the league defensive stuff. Yeah. They're now, only the minus did... seven in the goal differential, which is for a team that's, you know, I'd say pretty far out of the playoff picture at this point. That's not bad. No, well, they've helped, just not themselves. They've helped themselves by defending yeah, right. since we turned the calendar, but they were so far back. And it's not like they're winning every game because they're not scoring as much. But how many times have you heard me say it until I'm blue in the face? If you can defend, you're going to give yourself a chance to get points, and that is what the Sabres have done. So the Lightning are not seeing a Buffalo team yeah. that is super dangerous offensively this year, but hemorrhaging goals defensively. They are seeing a tight-checking, defensive-oriented team. And in fact, the meeting they had on January 20th, it was a low-scoring game. The Lightning won 3-1. to one. They had only 16 shots. I, I remember that game. The Sabres had 27, but it was just a low-chance game. And it was a 2-1 game. The Lightning got an empty netter from Calvin DeHaan at right. the end of the game. We may see a game like that tonight, which means that the Lightning are going to have to keep defending well like they did for much of the, the road trip. And, and that can be tough. You know, going against a team who you're supposed to beat on paper – who doesn't score a ton, so it's not going to be a back-and-forth game. It doesn't excite you. It's going to be a team that's that yeah. wants to make it a slugfest a little bit. Those can be challenging mentally. But they've knocked off some good opponents recently. For sure. I mean, they, they yeah. played the Panthers really tight in their last game. They lost 3-2, to two, but they have recent wins at Minnesota. They've beaten Carolina. They knocked off the Kings twice. I know the Kings have been scuffling a little bit, but those are impressive yeah. wins. They beat the Kings 7 nothing right. in a home game recently. So I mean, Buffalo they're going to have some guys. Buffalo is playing well. They're not going to make the playoffs, yeah. though. And and for them, it's about what are you going to do next year when the stakes are higher. But the fact that they're defending well this year probably gives them something to build on for next year. And you figure that guys like Tage Thompson are going to rebound next year and have better offensive seasons. They're going to have a few guys who hit 20. It's, it's unusual to look at somebody's roster this late in the season and not see anybody at 20. Yeah. Now, we know Tage has been hurt, and so that you would think he gets to that total. But, Dave, I mean, their leading scorer is Darlene with 44 points. Yeah. I mean, that there, there's, there's struggling to score, and then there's drying up. Like, Jeff Skinner's got 19 goals. I'm sure they were thinking that production would be higher. He's also locked into a big contract. So I was reading on The Athletic, and they're you know having these pieces now that come out about potential trade bait for certain teams. Middlestat's name has been thrown around a little bit. He's, He's actually tied year. with Darlene for their yeah. scoring lead, which is not saying much. 44 points in 59 games for Middlestad. If he were a right. defenseman like Darlene, you would say that's pretty good. Now, he is plus 12 which is, as I'm looking, tied for the best plus-minus on their team. But I mean, is it fair to say he's never really turned into the guy they thought? He was a high-end pick, Eighth too. overall. Yeah. I mean, that eighth overall, Dave, that's not 15th. That's not 22. I mean, top 10 picks. I know in hockey it's still hit or miss, but I think there were some expectations there. He hasn't hit 20 goals this year in his career. No. So that, you know, but is a team looking for depth scoring? Would Casey Middlestat be that guy? Well, how many actual trade bait players do they have on their team? Because they're not going to trade their young up-and-coming no. guys. They're not going to trade, certainly, Tage Thompson. They're not going to trade Dylan Cousins. They're not going to trade Owen Power. They're not going to trade, he's hurt right now, Matisse Samuelson, who's a good defenseman for them. They're certainly not going to trade, trade. Lucan in, who's you know taken over the number one yeah. reigns. So who can are they going to trade? trade? Jeff Skinner. You can't trade Jeff Skinner because of that. I contract, think they want right? to keep. I think they want to keep Jeff Skinner though. He's a good yeah. piece to their team, and you figure that next year with a fresh start, their their really dynamic line last year of Skinner, Thompson, and Tuck will at least be better than they've been. This year, so who who would they trade? Henry Yoki Haru, 
Like he's yeah, a pretty a solid defenseman. Too. He is. Yeah. He does have a great name. Maybe a guy like him. Maybe you're right. Maybe Middlestad. But I don't know if. I don't know. If you Middlestad could get something for him fits. still, though. Probably. You're talking about Middlestad or Yuki. Yeah, Hardy? you probably could get like a decent draft pick if that's something Buffalo wanted to do. I don't know yeah. if they're going to get a high end player for him. You you could get some draft capital. Skinner, by the way, he's only 31. He's going to hit 400 goals in his career. Yeah, well, he That's entered the good. league as an 18-year-old. Yeah, and he's he's put up some really good numbers he has. at times. But, you know, kudos to him. But, but I mean, you're right. They, they they don't have a lot of... I mean, would you say their game-breakers are on the back end in Tage Thompson? They have a really good young core, and yeah. I don't think they're going to do anything with that core. So what is that core? That core includes two number one overall picks, both on defense, Darlene and yeah. Owen Power. It includes Tage Thompson, who's not... Young, young, but I mean, he's a younger player for sure. Yep. It includes cousins, definitely. Yep. I think that they are they are hopeful that Peyton Krebs they got in the Eichel deal from Vegas, who's a number one, not a number one overall pick, but a first round pick. Like he's played better since the calendar turned, and and they hope that he is part of their future. And they have this Zach Benson who is, mm-hmm. he was a teenager, I want to say, when we saw them at the beginning of the year. Benson is, yeah, he's still a teenager. So he's actually st- still 18. He turns 19 in May. So he's a, definitely a young guy, a prospect. That's who they're going to build around. And then whichever goalie you want to pick, is it Lukanen? Is it Levi, who's currently in the minors? I mean, you figure one of them is going to take over the reins. All I'm saying is that, if Don Granado wanted them to start defending better, they are doing it. And if they can carry that into next year, that is a good building block. I like that building block more than what they set up last year, which was score a lot, give up a lot. Well, I because think you're right. scoring can dry up, and it has this year. And you can. And listen, for a team who may have not as much depth or experience up front offensively, it's not there yet. The one thing you can do, especially in the regular season, Dave, during uh, during this time, is is you can D up. Now, there are some teams who are kind of in the same area uh, that Buffalo is in that don't defend. Uh, so I think it's a credit to the coaching staff that they've been able to get those guys to defend the way mm-hmm. they have. Defending is, that's is hard not to do. fun. Yeah, it's no, not that's as hard fun to do. scoring. But no. they have bought in. There's no question. They've bought, they bought in. They've bought in. Yes, they've I'm bought gonna in. Do, I'm going to do a quick search on cap friendly which is being annoyingly slow for me right now so i want to see what the sabers have in terms of their expiring contracts but we do have eric coming up and the lightning are starting a very important homestand that was one thing that john cooper talked about this morning which is the road trip was a good road trip it was it didn't end well but the lightning got four out of six points, but now they have to try and consolidate this advantageous part of the schedule. Sure. But they got five games at home. They have some huge gaps between some of the games. Yep. And this is the time for them to make hay. This is the time for them to put their stamp on push to the playoffs. And hopefully by the time they come out of this homestand, they will have – We'll call it a semi-comfortable lead on the teams behind them. I think that's what you want. That's you want to be want. playing well, but you also want a little buffer where you're not sweating towards the end of the regular season. We've taken a lot of questions, yeah. and it's it's not surprisingly, um, specifically to, to Andre Vasilevsky and his workload. Uh, people thinking that maybe is he tired? Is, are they overworking him, especially coming off the injury? And I actually think you can make the argument he needs these games to get his timing. Now, timing, uh, that's that's a generic word. It's its more for he needs to feel as close to Andre Vasilevsky as humanly possible once the playoffs begin. And the only way you do that, I think, partner, is to play him. I agree. Because He's going to play. I mean, yeah. Johansson's going to get the two remaining games that are in back-to-back sets. I'm not sure how many more games than that. He's going to get. By the way, just to put a bow on on the Sabres and Please what do. they might put do with the on. deadline. Most of their expiring contracts mm-hmm. are, well, for example, Middlestad is on an expiring contract, but he's restricted. So the Sabres could keep him. 
Like they hold the right. cards there. He's got arbitration rights, but still, yeah. they're UFAs, pending UFAs. Victor Olofsson, who's had a very disappointing year, and I'm not sure how much value he would have to a team acquiring him. You got Giergensens, who's been there a long, long time. I mean, he would be at best a depth piece. Kyle Poso, who is their captain, I don't think they're going to be trading him. Tyson Jost, who's been in the minors for half of the season. Those are their forwards. And then their D, Eric Johnson. Eric Johnson could be a guy that could get moved because he's got a lot of experience and and he wouldn't cost a lot, I don't think. He's on an expiring contract. The other D that are on expiring contracts are restricted free agents. So I just don't see the Sabres – I don't see the Sabres moving a guy with term because they're looking toward next year. And if they feel that these guys with term still on their their deals can help them, why not hang on to them? But, look, what do I know? I mean, I might be proven completely wrong, and maybe they make a big deal at the deadline. As a as a seller, I'm talking about, not a buyer. Eric, Eric Rollinson. Yeah, yes. Eric Rollinson from LightningInsider.com is joining us on the show. E, good to be with you. What do you make of... As we get closer to the trade deadline, we saw the Stars make a move, and I've got to think that's going to intensify here in the next next few days. Yeah, we always wait for that first deal to be made, and then that usually kind of sets the market, and then deals start to come after that. So, I mean, look, if there was no first-round draft pick included with Tanev, that's, uh, maybe that's a good sign for teams like Tampa Bay who don't have a lot of assets to potentially put into – uh, any deals that they may make, um, you know, because let's we know that they don't have a first this year or next year, and they don't even have a second this year either. So, uh, yeah, I expect the action to really start to pick up. We're just eight days now away from the trade deadline, and uh, be very interesting to see what some teams around the, the league do, but especially what uh, Julian does here. Eric, we had some passionate fans writing in yesterday, upset about how the game against the Flyers ended. But what was your overall take of the road trip that, at the end of the day, look, it has to be viewed as a successful one? Absolutely. And if you were going to come home with four out of six points on that trip, they got the four points they had to have, right? Like you had to beat the Islanders. You had to beat the Devils, preferably in regulation, and you did that. And look, I thought they were primed to have a good third period against uh, Philadelphia. And then I, I thought the the um, the goal from Forrester was just – it was a deflating goal, and you could see it in the way the team reacted to it. And probably because they're just not used to seeing Andre Vasilevsky give up that type of a goal. But if you encapsulate the thing as the, as the entire three-game situation, it absolutely was a success. You just didn't like the way it ended because you pushed teams that are really competing with you. And I know Philly's around them points-wise, but they're in that third spot of the Metro. You pushed teams that were on your back further down the standings. What do you make of the play of Andre Vasilevsky this year? Is there a concern on your end that his play has dipped to the point where it may take him another year to to get back to where he was? Or do you feel like he can find that groove before the playoffs? Well, I mean, I think it has to be a little bit of a concern. Um, it looked like he was trending in the right direction before the break, and he just hasn't looked as consistently good uh, here coming out of the All-Star break. And, um, you know, but look, they're going to ride or die with him, right? That's the, he's your guy. You, you're going to go to the plateau where you're going to get, you know, drop down to the bottom based on how he's going to perform. I think he can get there. He's got the experience. He's got the work ethic. You know, he's got that, uh, that hate to lose mentality that a lot of coaches like to talk about. Um, I, you know, he'll look at a game like the one against Philadelphia and, and know that he could have been and probably should have been better in that game. I think he'll get it turned around. Um, you know, and, but we still have to remember he is coming off back surgery too. So the expectations with him are always high. Um, and because he's not living up to those expectations, it's it's been disappointing so far to see games like that. But then he has games like in Edmonton where he was brilliant, right? The game in Boston where he was brilliant. He has those moments. I think you'll see more of those type of games down the stretch uh, than what we saw on uh, on Tuesday. So, Eric, we have been talking about the standings with these teams behind the lightning, having the games in hand. And when you have games in hand, you have an opportunity to make up ground and get points, but it also means that your schedule is going to be busier. The Lightning have played the most games in the NHL. 
So that means they have fewer points available, but it also means that their schedule will not be as intense, and we certainly see that in this homestand. Is that a benefit to the Lightning, even though they have a lower point potential than some of these other teams because they played more games? Um, I, I think so, but I, like you know, you guys are talking about Buffalo. Like you're going to look at Buffalo, or, or people are going to look at Buffalo and see where they're at in the standings and go, "Oh, the Lightning should absolutely win this game." But then you look at how they've been playing lately. It's kind of like when Ottawa came in last week. You know, mm-hmm. Ottawa was playing well, and and they took Tampa Bay out. So if you're not going to be at the level that you have to be, just because a team is down in the standings doesn't mean they're not going to beat you. There's really good players on Buffalo. They haven't had wins on a consistent basis like everybody thought they would this year, especially how they finished last year. But they're a dangerous team. You know, these teams that are down in the standings, especially after the trade deadline, are more, sometimes more of a challenge because they don't have anything to lose. They're expected to lose. And you've got guys coming in maybe who are fighting for jobs next year, who are fighting for contracts next year. Uh, you know, sometimes that elevates their play a little bit. So um, I, I don't know if it's necessarily a advantage for Tampa Bay with some of the teams coming in. Um, but, I mean, this five-game stretch, it's so weird. Like, how many times have we seen – a five-game homestand stretched out over 14 days. It's it's really a weird situation. and But the good news with all that, not only are you home for two weeks, all these teams are going to start making up some of those games in hand, and you'll get more of a clearer picture on exactly how Tampa Bay's path to the playoff comes forward. Eric Rollinson from LightningInsider.com joins us here on Power Lunch on Lightning Radio. E, does it matter where the Lightning finish in the standings? Let's assume they get into the playoffs. Does it matter if they're the eighth seed or somewhere else? In previous years, I would say no, but this isn't one of those years potentially. Yeah, I I, I really don't think it matters a lot because um, we, we know the NHL playoffs. You get in, you have a chance to win. Right. I mean, look at the year that the five, six, seven and eight seed in the Western Conference all won in the first round. I think that was 2012. Um, you just just get in. Are there certain matchups that might be more favorable to Tampa Bay? Probably. And let's face it, they're not going to start on home ice. They're not going to climb up to the second spot uh, in, in the division. So you're going to start on the road no matter what. After that, I don't think it really honestly matters. Is it the Rangers? Is it the Bruins? Is it the Panthers? Whoever it happens to be, is it Carolina? Whoever happens to finish first in the Metro, if they have to cross over, um, I really don't think it matters where they finish because you've got the goalie, you've got the experience. If all that comes together at the right time, you get a chance. Since Max Crozier came back up, the Lightning have been going with 7D. It looks like they're going to play 7D again tonight, but it's going to be Hayden Fleury coming in for Lilleberg. What has Crozier brought to the lineup? What has he brought to the decor? He is very steady in everything he does. Right? I you know, listened to you on the broadcast the other night, Dave, talk about every time he was on the ice. He just seems to do something subtle that makes a difference in a positive way. And when you're a young defenseman and you can continue to do that, boy, you're going to have an opportunity to turn some ice time. And, and the fact that Crozier is going to stay in tonight uh, kind of indicates how the, the team feels about him. He just, I don't know, he just always makes the right play. You know, how many times we say that about Anton Strawman? He just makes the right play. He's so poised. There's a lot of that type of game, I think, in Max Crozier from what we've seen here in the early going. And if he can continue to build on that, it's going to benefit him and this team. E, when you take a look at... The forwards for the Lightning, Connor Sherry's been a a target for a lot of fans. I think for him coming to a new team, pressure of trying to perform with that contract and then being injured, it's all kind of snowballed for him. The Lightning are hoping he regains maybe his form that made him a reliable scorer. If not, is he somebody who'd be a trade candidate? You could say, well, who would take him? But then again, would the Lightning just try and maybe move on from the experiment and say, okay, it, it, it didn't work out here. And if we have to eat some of the salary, we will. Well, he is on a three-year contract. Obviously this is year one. Uh, and he's got a no trade clause. So, you know, it, it, he would, other than that, he's really tradable. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. It's a, it, it's a challenge for sure. Um, I, I think they're probably more looking forward to maybe Connor finding his game. Um, he just, off, he just, he needs a goal in the worst way. I think a goal for a player like Connor would do wonders for his game. Just build that confidence back up, even for a player who's accomplished what he has and you know everything he's done in his career and in the playoffs, everything like that. Um, it, could he be a candidate for another team? Possibly, but he would have to you know agree to waive that that no trade clause if he wanted to do it. 
you never know when those situations come up. Uh, but I would have to say you have to hope that Connor finds his game. So, Eric, we've been talking about the MVP vote, which I do not have a vote for the MVP. You do because you are a member of the PHWA. This is going to be a very interesting race because certainly you have Kucherov, certainly you have McKinnon. Now you have McDavid, who has some extra games to make up ground in the points race. You also have Austin Matthews, who's far and away going to win the goal-scoring title. And Greg has mentioned Sidney Crosby, who is having a terrific year and maybe single-handedly keeping the Penguins within range of making the playoffs. You get five votes assuming there's not another player that I'm, I'm missing and most of the votes are going to go to those five players is the winner. Is it going to come down to kind of the order that people put their votes in? Yeah, probably. And, and, and Kevin's not whispering in my ear, but his, his voice is in my ear. He's telling me Connor Hellebuck, Connor Hellebuck, Connor Hellebuck should be in this conversation as well because of what he's done with Winnipeg and net. It's hard for goalies to win the MVP, but Kevin is a strong uh, candidate uh, to put Hellebuck in that conversation. But I think it does come down to the order. You know, it's who's going to get the most first place votes. And uh, it's going to be a tight race. Um, you know, it's uh, with two Canadian uh, based players in it. Uh, obviously, Canada has a little bit more of a, uh, they don't have more voters, but they have a sway over voters a little bit. So you don't wonder if that would factor into it. I hope not, but sometimes it does. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it is, it is a, going to be a close close race i don't think we've seen something this close among a lot of players there's been a couple of guys you can say okay he's a clear one in a clear two those two guys are going to figure it out but when it's this this type of a list it's uh it's going to be interesting to see what the vote totals end up being once we get to uh, june and it's, it's all uh it's all uh, handed out what's going on with Braden point the numbers suggest he's doing pretty well but the eye test maybe says it's just feels like a little off what do you think is happening there i i just don't feel as good of a season as he's had he's not scoring from that slot spot right on the power play he just hasn't converted enough of those opportunities when he had them but like when you watch him skate he he's not being as forceful with the puck i guess is the best way to put it we're not seeing him attack defenders the way that he can with his speed and his shiftiness that he can do to, to get around guys um, you know, I think of the goalie scored against Seattle last year, the goalie scored against Montreal. We haven't seen him even try something like that. Um, and it's, uh, it, it's, you would hope that he would take that next step. You would hope that the, the new confident Braden point that we saw last year would carry that over into this season. I don't know if he's got something nagging him. I, I haven't seen anything, uh, you know, that would prevent him from thinking about trying to make those things. I just want to see him attack uh, the defense more because he really backs guys up with his speed when he's coming north-south. You always go north-south with your analysis. We always appreciate that about you. North. South. He does not go south with his analysis. <laughs> well, I say, say I, I, I've been doing shows with E for 10 years. What are you talking about? No, it's, uh, it's all good. E, we appreciate you, buddy, and uh, we will catch you at the rink tonight. Sounds good. Be well, boys. Thanks, right. Eric. Eric will join me throughout the broadcast tonight as well, and we always look forward to that. Isn't it interesting that he said the Canadian, there aren't more voters from Canada, but they have sway. Isn't that interesting? Like, the writer in San Jose is going to be swayed by what? somebody in toronto well they shouldn't because i've told you about everybody in canada sometimes has you know their head you know where but um (laughs) you know to me that's they shouldn't but they do and that was a good segue to the tweet that or the text that austin just sent us yeah he did from the what was it the odds makers is that right the the tweet he says players currently most likely to win the heart this season by the odds austin matthews a plus 175 nathan mckinnon plus 250 Nikita Kucherov plus two seventy five and Connor McDavid plus four hundred. So the lower the number, the in better. this case Matthews plus one seventy five, the the greater the odds. So that mm-hmm. is a little interesting because we haven't heard his name as much just because he's not in the points race, but he is scoring goals like crazy. And look, you want to make the argument that the Maple Leafs wouldn't be in the position that they're in if not for Matthews? I'll buy that. I mean, do, don't you think though that's kind of how the argument should start? Yes. Where would you be without this player? But it's hard to imagine that alternate sure. reality. 
because the For player sure, but is I feel like there. that's that's life in general. We do a lot of projecting. There are, there are hypotheticals, but I mean, um, and then if you're just going to go based off of points, it would be Kucherov, right? Do you so think you, points are are more valuable than actually a guy who's putting the puck in the net himself? It depends on how many goals the leading scorer has. <laughs> yeah. Matthews has 52. The next closest guy is Zach Hyman with 40. Yeah. So, And it's not like imp- Matthews is playing with Kucherov or McDavid, feeding him pucks in an area where he can convert. I mean, yeah, he plays with really good players, but he's doing a lot of the work to create scoring chances himself. If you've watched him play, you see that from him. He I mean, skates look- into space and he shoots it in. He's still eighth in the league in scoring, so it's not like he's points you know, twenty-five, wise. right? Yeah, points wise. So, um, yeah, he scored more than double the goals than he has assists. Fifty-two goals, twenty-five assists. The expectations were high for Colorado coming in. I think it's fair to say the expectations, whether you buy it or not, were high for Edmonton coming into the season. All right. We always have high expectations for the Lightning. But the narrative around the team beyond Tampa Bay was that down year. Maybe not a Stanley Cup contender. Kucherov's leading the league in scoring. By that logic, you could make the argument, if you think the Lightning aren't on par with the Colorado or some of the other teams who you think are equipped or better equipped to win the Cup this year, Kucherov is doing all he can in a quote-unquote down year for the Lightning to get his team into the playoffs. I actually think that gives him more mustard, you know, to yeah. to be that guy. And look, if you finish, I don't know what the numbers are, Dave. Maybe Austin can look this up and the, the 15 other staff members that we have for the show. <laughs> that whoever leads the league in scoring at the end of the regular season, how often do they win the MVP? Well, usually they do. It's not always. Usually. But we're going to have the goal-scoring leader, it's going to be Matthews, as a different player mm-hmm. than our Ross Trophy winner for leading the league in points. And that's why I asked Eric about the order. This may be a year. We're going to see not who voted for whom, but we're going to see who got how many first-place votes, second-place votes, etc. And you get... Like, a first-place vote carries more points than a second-place vote. That is correct. But when we see the voting at the end of the year, you don't want to include Crosby. You want to include Hellebuck. You want to include a a fifth guy. I think it's those four for sure. We may see the player that gets the most first-place votes may actually not win the trophy. Because if the first-place vote total is close... That, that winner maybe just got more second-place votes. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Like, it's almost, if you do really, really well across the board, whether you're not getting a first-place vote, but you're getting a lot of second-place votes. Yeah. And maybe the guy who got the most first-place votes got a bunch of fourths as well, which mm-hmm. could happen. I mean, it, it's it's almost like, what's your ice cream preference? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, you may put them in a different order. It's sure. going to be a very interesting race this year. Yeah. But, you know, for the way we watch Kucherov on, you know, a historic run, I, I it's hard it's hard to look at a more dominant offensive player than him right now. And what he's doing for this team, which factors into the other discussion, where would the Lightning be at times without Kucherov? And I because, think if the Lightning can get into the playoffs of the teams that we are talking about, Edmonton had a terrible start, but the Oilers are well-positioned to make the playoffs. The Leafs are well-positioned to make the playoffs. The Avs are well-positioned to make the playoffs. If the Lightning get in, I think Kucherov will get... He will get higher votes. I'll put it that way. He may not get first-place votes, but he will get higher votes based on the fact that people will say, without Kucherov, the Lightning would have missed the playoffs. And maybe mm-hmm. these three other players, we couldn't make that same argument. Sure. Because they made the playoffs with, with some real estate behind them. I think that's a fair point. Do we want to get into some questions? Sure. Is there anything else we need to, to hit on here? Let's do it at Bolts Radio. 
Nick Ita Kucherov says, all the panic from the stands is pretty frustrating. This team is clearly working through a lot of adversity while still competing for a playoff spot. The D has been mediocre at times. Vassy is still Vassy, human at times. And we have the greatest forward in the NHL in Cooch. Everybody relax and wait till game one against whoever the first victim is. <laughs> well, clearly we didn't have Nikita chime in yesterday when we had... And I wouldn't say that people were overly negative. I think that they expressed some concerns. I would yeah. put it that way. But Nikita wants to put everyone at ease. I mean, I guess and look, they keep... did. They did win two of three on the road trip. Yeah, we forget about that. It's this is what happens when the expectations are really high for a team, for a franchise, and when you've won a lot. Where if it's not been as consistently great this year. And the regular season over the years for the Lightning when they've won Cups hasn't been great either. I mean, how many of those years, Dave, did they finish number one overall with the, the yeah. most points? I mean, it's, to me, you've heard it on the show a number of times, even going back to when I would do a show myself. You know, it, it doesn't matter where the Lightning finish. And a lot of that was just because of who they had. I understand guys are older now than they were a few years back, and, and play sometimes can can decline. There's a lot of wear and tear on those bodies, but there's still something to be said for the performance that the players have had during the playoffs and where they are right now, where they can find another gear. If there's any team that can find another gear in a playoff series, it's going to be the lightning. And do you think, do you think anybody wants to take on the lightning in the first round? If you ask them, I mean, it's a, it's a team where the expectations aren't high. The lightning are probably going to be the underdog, by the way. Yes. Heading into the playoffs. Do you think? If they get in, they are going to be the lower seed. They're going to be right. the underdog. They're going to be a handful. They're going to be a handful to deal with. I will phrase it this way, Greg. I think if the Lightning can defend in a playoff series the way that we saw them defend for the bulk of the road trip, they are going to be a, a hard out. Because you have Kucherov. You have Headman. You have Point. You have the power play. I know that often there are fewer power plays in the playoffs, although in the first round sometimes it's a little fluky and you get some series with lots of power plays. But I maintain the Lightning The lightning have enough offense to score a couple of goals a game, even if things are not clicking for them. If they can hold the other team to one or two, they're going to put themselves in a position to win. Many other teams about, right? do not have a Kucherov. Now, yeah. look, the guys that we mentioned are on teams. They have players like that. But the Lightning are going to see Colorado in the playoffs. If they see Colorado, it's going to be in the final again. They won't see McDavid. Same, so same they deal. Don't... Many could they see don't... Matthews? They they could, sure. but right now sure. I think that that would be unlikely in an early round series. So they're probably taking on a team that doesn't have a game breaker at the level of a Kucherov. They don't have a game breaker, and I'm sorry, I'm not willing to question Vasi at this point. They don't. Mm -hmm. Most teams don't have a goaltender of that pedigree. But it comes to defending. So if the Lightning sure. are going to play, that's true. Are going to play a loose defensive game, or or not? Maybe not loose, but not as tight as they need to be. That's not a recipe for success. So I think that's where kind of the the balance is going to tip one way or the other. And I think the Lightning can beat any team that they see in a playoff series if they can keep the goals against number down. Sure. Which is why it was really encouraging to see them play the way they did on the road trip. Al says, this is from yesterday, he said, sometimes it's hard to get the point across in 280 characters. We, the fans, are doing the best we can, and I think you guys do a good job figuring out what we're trying to say. Lightning were never prepared to play, especially Vassy. One of those games where the Lightning got pass-happy early and never got going. No shots, not strong on the puck. They just wanted to go home. I don't think that's true. If you're talking about the last game, Al, which yeah, I think you uh... are... Maybe he needed we, more characters <laughs> to get because his we point thought the across. first two periods. We disagree, good. Al. Like now, look, I give credit to the Flyers for how they defended the Lightning. 
I hesitate to use the word dominated. They didn't dominate the second period, but they definitely carried play in the second period. What did they get out of it? Not enough. Is that because they were pass happy? I'd have to go back and, and look at it again. I thought the Flyers dug in defensively. That was a low-scoring chance game yeah. for both teams until the third period. But you know what? That's okay. You're finishing a road trip. You're you're in a low-scoring, low-chance game. That's fine. Try and get out of that game with some points and go home. And they were in position to do that after 40 minutes. So I'm not going to quibble with what happened in the first 40 minutes. Did they did they generate a ton of scoring chances? No. Did they give up a ton of scoring chances? No. You're going to get games like that. That's actually what you might see in the playoffs. I don't think that they were just looking to go home, Al. I'm sorry. I disagree with that. Things unraveled on them in the third period, starting with that yeah. opening minute goal from Forster. Which we talked about. Yeah. I mean, the, the notion they were looking to go home, I, I think maybe you buy that argument, Dave, if they come out and they're just loosey-goosey and they're giving up five goals in the first period. And you're like, all right, yeah, this this team just wasn't ready to go. I think by all accounts, they felt pretty good about the first 40 minutes. It's not going to be perfect. It never is. I mean, how, how often do you talk about, and I talk about, you know, the 60-minute the game. It's It's an illusion. Mm-hmm. It's hard. But the lightning through 40 minutes on the road game uh, against the Flyers, who look, is is that game going to change your tune for some out there who thought it was a bad loss if the Flyers make the playoffs? It's a playoff team right now. Well, I think the fans you know? wanted to see the lightning generate more. That's my guess. Yeah, you can't argue fair, with how but I mean, they, you can't argue with how they defended in the first 40 minutes. You but can't. offense comes and goes. Offense comes and goes. And every I mean, game has its own feel to it. it they does. were in a tight-checking, low-scoring, low-chance game. And, oh, by the way, tonight's game might look very similar. Because the it, Sabres it are may. defending really well. And if that's the case, the Lightning cannot get greedy for offense and leave themselves exposed defensively. No. No. You look, have to play the game that is in front of you. The game against the Flyers through 40 minutes, I think, Dave, showed us that the Lightning can defend at a pretty high level. I think what it showed us as well, and it's something we've reiterated on this program, if they can upgrade their offense in some capacity at the trade deadline, I would do that. Because offense does come and go, but it's always good to have a lot of offense. That way not everybody goes on a cold streak. You know, it's why Connor Sherry has been such a lightning rod for criticism this year. It's because he was supposed to provide that depth scoring. He was supposed to be the guy that if Kutras having the career year and Braden Point's having a good year, that you could go to Sherry on a third or fourth line and say, can you give me 10? Can you give me 15? Now, the Lightning have had some other guys there who have picked it up. Acemon probably comes to mind and Glenn Denning for sure. But, you know, Janot's been hurt. He's been a little more inconsistent. I think Sherry's the one guy you look at all of this and say, okay, really, we weren't anticipating this many games in to have one goal, which is why I think when you factor in some of the struggles they've had offensively this year consistently, I think addressing the depth scoring is a bigger priority. Maybe I would feel differently if the Sherry's were performing higher maybe even Sorelli to a smaller extent. But I think that's kind of where I sit. Maybe Julian Breezeball agrees with you. We'll I actually it. think getting a, I'll call it a depth forward. I'm not saying a bottom six grinder. I mean, what you're saying is you want to see somebody with some who can pop. help fuel the offense, but you're not yes. talking about a guy that's going to break the bank. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not talking Jake Gensel. Right. I think that I think that there are probably more players like that out there available than defensemen. Let me I ask you this. I think there are defensemen out there. But I agree. I think that it's it's probably a more doable deal to get the sort of player you're talking about. Would you take a Lars Eller? Well, I'm not sure how much offense he's going to give you, but he is a very solid defensive forward. Good on faceoffs, can kill penalties. He's got 11 goals this year. He's played well for Pittsburgh. He's on an expiring contract. You're assuming the Penguins are selling. I'm assuming the pay. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming that's what they would have. Like a player like that. Now, I mentioned to you, what, Paul Mary? That might that might cost you a little, but that that guy's got or some Or Henrique, I think. Or I'm sorry, Henrique. Yeah. I'm sorry. Henrique. I don't think the Islanders Henrique. are moving Paul Mary. No. Henrique's got a lot of pop. 
in his game right now. That would be interesting. And I'm sure there are a ton of players out there who are being made available where we have no idea who they are. I just threw a couple of names to give you some context with ability. Mm -hmm. Would that excite people? And I think a player like that, depending on what you have to give up to to get him, and I'm presuming it's not going to take that much to get a player like that, I think you can live with a player like that who is a rental. For sure. I think the Lightning have to to pay to get a defenseman, and I think defensemen tend to cost more, which is, like Eric said, it was a little surprising, honestly, to see that the Stars were able to get Tanev for – Again, I don't know about the prospect they sent back. Maybe he's a blue chipper. But I felt like that was kind of a low price tag, honestly. Typically, defensemen cost a little bit more. And if it's going to cost you a little bit more, I think you're less interested in doing a strict rental. If it's a depth forward who can chip in offensively, and, and maybe that player plays in your bottom six, maybe that player plays in your top six, and somebody in your top six goes to the bottom six, which is kind of what we're talking about. Correct. You know, spreading the wealth through the lineup. Maybe you're a little bit more amenable to, to having that player just for the rest of the season. Again, it depends on the cost. Absolutely. Also, it depends how much you like the player, and, and can you get the player re-signed. I think Julian's going to do whatever he can to upgrade the roster. And if that means he just adds more quality on the back end, even though we think maybe there's a little bit more quality depth there, I think he'll do it. I'm just saying if if you had, if the cap becomes an issue, if assets become an issue, if the type of player you're getting in return becomes an issue, and maybe the one that you have to give up becomes an issue, if push comes to shove, I'd like to see a little bit more pop offensively. Mm-hmm. And we'll see if it if it transpires that way uh this question does come from uh, sean he wants to know is sergachev done for the year or does he come back for the playoffs well we haven't heard anything official but i think speculation and i would say you can pretty much put it in the bank he's not going to come back for the regular season which means that the Lightning have his salary to use for a deadline acquisition, essentially, due to the long-term injury reserve component because the cap goes away in the playoffs. Could he come back for the playoffs? I think, again, kind of reading between the lines, it would take a deep run. And then, again, like what player are you getting back? This is a leg injury we're talking about. Like the Brian Engelblom example of jumping in a washing machine on spin. And he's talking about coming in during the regular season. What would it be like to come in to a playoff series when you're deep in the playoffs, not having played for months? We should ask that was Kutcher. what we heard about Dougie Hamilton with the right, Devils. Right. Dougie yeah. Hamilton is out for the rest of the regular season, which is why the Devils have all of this cap space to maybe make some trades and could come back maybe in the second or third round if the Devils get in and if they advance that far. But what player are you actually getting back? Is that player going to help you? Do you buy that? Like when a player comes back from an injury or he's playing injured, he's a high-level player that, look, uh, a 75% Sergachev is still better than, you know, 100% six defensemen. And I, I think it's cute to say that. And I'm not saying it's just Sergeyev because that that gets thrown out all the time. Mm-hmm. I do think with parity today, I'm not sure that that applies all the time anymore. All right, so here are a couple of examples, and you can read into these examples what you want. Braden Point in the 2022 Stanley Cup Final came back for the first two games. He was not at 100%. Correct. Whatever you want to call it. 75% was probably less than that, honestly. Yeah. Would you say that Braden Point at 60% is better than anybody else coming in? The answer was no. He only yeah, played the first two games. Here's another example. So that was that was like uh, a leg injury, right? It so was. that would affect his skating. Braden's point. Braden Point's game is predicated on being able to skate Speed. fast. Right. Correct. So that hurt him in the area where he is at his most dangerous. So when we're talking about 
Sergachev, we are talking about a leg injury. So again, what's his skating going to look like if and when he's able to come back? I'm going to give you another example from this season, regular season, Tage Thompson. Tage Thompson breaks his hand or suffers a hand injury, wrist injury, whatever it is, blocking a shot. So look, he's able to skate. He's able to, to keep his conditioning up. He didn't miss as much time as some guys have missed with that sort of injury. He comes back, but what's Tage Thompson's game? Shooting the puck. I don't think it's shocking. I don't think this is the only reason. Yeah. But why is he 30 goals behind his total last year? Now, again, he's got games left to, to add to his total. But he had 47 goals last year. He has not had anywhere near to the kind of successful offensive season that he had last year. I said 30 goals behind. Where is so he? I think you just brought he's, up a couple Yeah, he's of really 30 good. goals behind. He's 17 goals. So, look, you might say, well, Tage Thompson, he can skate, he can play. We want him in the lineup. But if he's affected in how he can shoot the puck, then in that case – if you equate it to a playoff series, I mean, he's going to play. If he can move around the ice, he's going to play. But, you know, just saying a 70% Tage Thompson is better than somebody else, if Tage Thompson's shot is not as unstoppable, that makes a huge difference to how impactful he's going to be for your team. I would agree. I think I think that all makes sense, and I – that's why I think we have to sometimes, you know, hey, uh, th- there are there are just a couple of players who I think can overcome the injury at a, a lesser percentage and still beat out, you know, somebody who might be operating at a high level health-wise, mm-hmm. and you still feel pretty good about that same level of production. It, it just doesn't happen as much today because of all the parity and I, I think how close players are in talent this year but i i do think the lightning to to put a bill on this conversation if you can get some depth offensively do it yes and then you hope guys like a Braden point the andre vasilevsky anybody else you think maybe has not been as good in previous this year in, in terms of previous years there's always that chance. All of a sudden, things just kind of align, and the Lightning become that team where, wow, you really don't want to face. I think the Lightning are looking to be aggressive at the deadline, and there are a couple of things I'm going to bring up. So first of all, Coop was asked. John Romano was here this morning. He asked Coop about the decision to go for it at the deadline, even though it might mean that you're giving up future assets. And Coop's response was, you know, this core of players that we've had over the last 10 years, they're not going to be here forever. You want to take advantage while they are still productive. So that's certainly not a tap the brakes kind of answer. I know he's not the GM, but that's what he said. And then the other example I'm going to give you is there was an article on the Lightning's interest in Noah Hannafin. I think the Athletic had it. We were talking about it, I think, off air yesterday. And the writer made the point, I think it was Sean Gentile who wrote the article, like, how could the Lightning make this happen? And his point was, you give Julian Breezebaugh $7.5 million in cap space to work with, and he knows there is a player out there that can help his team, and that player is reportedly interested in coming to Tampa Bay, don't put it past him to figure out a way to make the deal work. If you're removing the money complication part of it he's right julian has gotten very creative at the deadline in past years to add that's players why, that's why the everybody who talks and is still questioning you know they like to talk they'll, they'll say dollar in dollar out and that was a very popular phrase a few years back when but if you have no cap room it has to be that way un- understood but i guess to me it was just a way of like saying julian couldn't make the move i think julian will make a move I think he's shown that Julian will make a move, even if they're up against the cap or they have a lot of space. And I don't think being up against the cap means he can't make an impactful move. I'm beyond that narrative. I never was in that camp. I always felt like, swing for the fences, baby. If you find a way to make it work, 
Julian Breezewall will find another team to get involved in the trade. Mm -hmm. They'll find some creative ways to make it happen. That's why I think this year, even more so, maybe to Sean's point, he's got a little more cap space, maybe a lot more cap space to work with this year. Who knows? Maybe, Dave, he gets a a forward and a defenseman. Both in a in a trade. Yeah. Don't also look at this and say, if he trades somebody off this roster, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. Don't... Like I said before, what's great about what the Lightning have done with some of these players coming up from Syracuse is that not only have they helped them to win games now, they're they're used as assets more so than draft picks. And I'll leave you with this. I'll leave you with this like I'm, I'm giving you a speech. <laughs> yes, please. How many teams do you think have called for Johansson services? Now, you, we can sit here and say, well, I don't know if a team, you know, look, he's not a not a starter and you know teams usually don't trade for goaltenders during the season i get all of that but i do know goaltending is still a question mark for some teams if anything johansson would strengthen your backup role for a team who is trying to win now and the lightning are in that category but if you feel like look we're riding with vasilevsky and i i get it Johansson's played really well this year, and you know maybe he's part of our future, but maybe he's not. They have him for another year. That's what I mean. He becomes even more interesting. I mean, if somebody came to you, not you, Dave, but just the Lightning in general, and they were willing to maybe sweeten the pot for a position of need and greatly enhances the value there, and they say, look, uh, what would it take to get Johansson? You have to listen to that, don't you? You just do if you're the Lightning because you're in a win-now mode. And you get creative with the resources you have to acquire that talent. Why not the backup goaltender? I think all hands are on deck at this point. I think Julian has been given some daylight here with a Sergachev injury, even though you don't want to see him out, to really get creative more so than he has in years past because of that number. I'm really anxious to see what he's going to do. And I wouldn't be surprised if he makes an impactful. Maybe it is Hannafin. And if it is Hannafin, that's an impactful move. Yeah. That is an impactful move. I have to believe if the Lightning somehow, some way, get Hannafin, this is not a rental. That's kind of building on what I was saying a few minutes ago. No, which makes it even more exciting. Yeah, that would be a player the Lightning would want to figure out a way to keep. Yeah. Even if it means saying goodbye to some other salaried players that are making more than the league minimum. And that would be a good question. Slightly more than the league minimum. Correct. Because at that point, you really would have to start getting into, okay, to to get a player like that and to resign him. Now you're going to have to probably get creative in the offseason and make a, a pretty big move with somebody who has a contract and term that maybe you didn't anticipate giving up. But circumstances change. Yeah. And if you have a chance to upgrade your roster by getting Hannafin, and I think we all would agree, you're upgrading your team by getting a player like that. Um, I think you make that move because we are in, folks, and this is where you want to be as a franchise. We are in a win-now mode. The other part of the Hannafin article that I didn't mention that was in that same article about Julian finding a way with the cap space to make a deal work, which I did not know until I read this. Handifin rejected a contract extension from the Flames that was a long-term deal. I think it was an eight-year extension, which is the max. So all signs point toward him leaving Calgary. All which signs puts point pressure, him going to Tampa Bay, so let's, well, let's start it that. puts pressure on the Flames to move him. <laughs> I love it. Because if they hold on to him... They're going to lose him for nothing. Sure. Calgary's starting to be a place where people don't want to play. <laughs> maybe. You know, Goudreau, right? Yeah. You got, you know, maybe Hannafin's like, eh, all right. Well, Huberdo and Uyghur signed extensions. Yeah, Huberdo. What's going on with Huberdo? That's for another story. Yeah. Well, they're oh, coming sure. up on this homestand. We can get more into yeah. the flames. We'll talk to them about it. I wonder if, if they're going to have more deals that will be made between now and and the time that the teams play, which is going to be one week from tonight, which is one day before Bold, the deadline day. 
bold prediction. Go for it. Gensel to the Panthers. That is a bold prediction. Do the Panthers mm-hmm. have the room to add him? I don't know. I don't know. But there have been some <laughs> rumblings on that where they want to upgrade. Yeah, and... You can be creative, too, and have a team retain salary. You can figure Correct. out a way to make it work, I guess. And he's on an expiring contract, too. So I, you know, that might be one of those things where you work out a long-term deal afterwards. But yeah. we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. All right, partner, I'll catch you tonight. Appreciate you. Yeah, we'll recap tonight's yeah. game tomorrow as well. Love it. Thank you, sir. Thanks to all involved who listen to the show. Thanks to Steve Ersnick. Pre-game will be at 6.30 tonight. Puck drops at 7. And we'll have the call for you. And then we'll be back at it again tomorrow, noon to 1, breaking down this game on Lightning Radio.